guys and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining us for what is now episode number 138. And surprise, surprise, we've got another Q&A for you, starting off with this really great question, which is, how can increasing calories result in fat loss? Ooh, how? Well, sounds like a bit of a dream situation to me. Mm. Eat more, <laughs> lose body fat. Who wouldn't want to buy into that, right? Eat more to lose weight. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, how can eating more calories lead to increased fat loss, Jack? Mm. And I think when looking at this question, it's important to notice how they've said fat loss mm. and not weight loss. Yeah, which I actually like because there certainly is a differentiation between losing weight and losing body fat. Mm. And that's the ultimate goal. When you say that you want to change your body composition and ultimately that results in a change in scale weight, you want that weight predominantly coming from fat tissue and you want for the dear life of you to hold on to any skeletal muscle mass that you have. Yeah. So for example, like you could quite easily achieve weight loss by upping your calories. If, you, if you're usually consuming 300 grams of carbs, you reduce that to 50 grams of carbs you add in some dietary fat instead of those carbs. And then surprise, surprise, you're going to have some reduction in muscle glycogen stores and therefore lose some body weight. Yeah, so you would be losing, <laughs> yeah, certainly some fluid shifts going on. Yeah, but it wouldn't be fat loss. Uh, so well, let's get to the uh, knit and grit of this, where in the vast majority of circumstances, you're not going to in, uh, result in fat loss from increasing your calories. Mm. Like... Potentially, you could be in a very big deficit. Like, let's say you're in a thousand calorie deficit, and then you increase your calories so you're in a 500 calorie deficit, you're still going to lose fat, but at a slower rate. So, I mm. guess there's an example of losing fat by eating more. That's a really good point, actually, that you're still in a calorie deficit, but just not as aggressive of mm. one. Or you could increase your calories and increase your expenditure. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of ways. I think we're just kind of circumnavigating the main answer, which is I think this person might be looking for like some sort of ideal answer. And it's definitely all over social media where like influencers are saying, Ooh, increase your calories to lose weight. You're not eating enough. You're mm -hmm. eating, you're not eating enough to lose weight, which is <laughs> if you're not eating enough to lose weight and you're not losing weight, then you're just inaccurate with how much you yeah, are actually the hard eating. truth is that you're probably just not tracking accurately or taking account of everything you are consuming mm. so i think tiara made a great point before this where there probably is one sort of other scenario where you could increase your calories and lose weight related to protein mm. yeah so it depends on where your calories are coming from so it's not uncommon if someone's following, you know, a standard Western diet for it to be very high in carbohydrates and fats. And sometimes they're not quite meeting their protein requirements, or at least, you know, optimal protein requirements coincided with resistance training to actually build some muscle mass. Mm. So sometimes if you just purely increase calories from protein coincided with an exercise component like resistance training, then you might experience some body recomposition and potentially you could build more muscle mass and hopefully lose some body fat too. Mm. Yeah, but it's Again, definitely it's not... One of those one percenters. Yeah, it really, it really is. But this is a really important point that it's not just about the energy that you're consuming. You really do need that exercise component and you need to be giving yourself that stimulus to actually change your body composition. And 
the gold standard for that is resistance training. Like if you want to lose body fat and you want to build more muscle mass, like man, lifting some heavy weights in a progressive overload manner, like that's your big golden ticket. Mm, totally. Yeah, I think focusing on the fundamentals will always be the main priority or should be the main priority mm-hmm. for most people. Yeah. And again, this is a question that's talking about eating more calories to lose more body fat. And you raised the point how you see on social media how people say, you're not eating enough to lose weight. But a good point to bring across there is that when people do say, eat more to lose weight rather than less, they are probably referring to total food volume and the Mm. actual choices in food that you're making. Yeah, compared to the actual caloric content. So Mm. there certainly are cases where you could be eating more food volume, but it's lower energy density, and that would help you lose more weight and lose body fat if you are in a calorie deficit. So for example, we've all seen, you know, a full day of eating where someone's eating fruit and vegetables and lean chicken breast compared to someone who's just getting takeout from McDonald's and you compare the calories, right? The McDonald's meal, it's very low volume, very high in energy compared to this full day of eating, which is a much higher food volume for lower energy. So that's what people mean when they say eat more to lose weight, just eat more food volume, but not eat more calories. I think you're giving people too much credit. <laughs> I don't think people really mean that all the time when really? they say Really? Well, I'd hope the evidence-based folk do. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm sure the evidence-based folk do, but not everyone, that's mm. for sure. Yeah, some people think that you need to eat more to really kick that metabolic rate into gear. Yeah. And again, another hard truth is that most people's metabolisms, they're just fine, right? Yeah. Again, they're just not accounting for the calories that they're actually consuming, mm. which is a good thing, right? Like when someone comes to you and they're like, I'm only eating a thousand calories a day and I'm not losing weight. The really good news is, is that it's very, very, very unlikely that you're actually only consuming 1000 calories. Like Mm. that's a good thing. You should be happy that you are miscalculating your intake in that sense. Yeah. Great. So this next question says in an improvement season, what is the goal weight gain per week? For example, 200 to 500 grams of weight gain. Mm Mm-hmm. So when we talk about weight gain, what are our general guidelines? When we talk about weight gain, that's going to correlate most to muscle gain. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I've had a a couple new clients on board recently and they're quite, they're on the younger age bracket for starting coaching, which I always think is amazing. And something that it's always interesting chatting to new people who are uh, embracing these new concepts because everything is quite new to them. And like one of them was asking me, like I was telling him, okay, we need to transition from this deficit that we've been into a calorie surplus, which means gaining some weight at a slow and controlled pace. And he was like, but why does weight gain equal muscle gain? Like, why do we have to gain weight for that? And I guess it's just creating the most anabolic environment Mm -hmm. possible. And the analogy I gave to him is like, it's pouring, trying to pour water from an empty cup, like there's nothing to give. And if you're, if you're not giving your body the stimulus in the form of weight gain or an energy surplus um, to make muscle gain as easy as or efficient as possible, you're doing yourself a disservice because mm-hmm. it is possible to undergo body recomposition and gain muscle at maintenance, but it's just not very efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've spoken about this before too, about how change requires change. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to change your body composition in terms of building new tissue, you are adding more to your frame. Yeah. So 
why would you not expect that to weigh something? And mm. also just seeing it in a positive light as well. Like, hell yeah, my scale weight on average is going up every single month. Woohoo! Mm. Right? Like, I'm gaining weight because I'm putting on more muscle mass. That's a really, really good thing. And it's about changing your mindset and actually your outlook on the whole situation. And if you are training your ass off in the gym, but you're not seeing your scale weight change at all, if anything, I now look at that as, well, this is quite counterproductive. Yeah, totally. And when we look at weight gain, weight loss, nutrient recommendations, supplement recommendations like caffeine, a lot of it is based on percentages. It's not based on objective numbers, like standalone numbers, for example, like 200 to 500 grams. We don't really use that ranges like that because as you can imagine, it's going to differ quite considerably based on what body weight you are. So obviously I'm going to need to gain a bit more weight per month than Tierra because I weigh about 20 kilos more than Tierra. Just a little bit. <laughs> One of those big plates you lift at the gym. <laughs> yeah. So people who are heavier are going to probably need to gain a little bit more weight, mm -hmm. obviously depending on their training age. In absolutes. Yeah. So the percentages we usually give for weight gain in an improvement season is around like half a percent to 1.5, maybe even 2% mm -hmm. of your body weight uh, per month gained. And the amount of weight you gain there, so like the higher percentages there are going to be based on newer people to training. Mm -hmm. and Or perhaps just coming out of a dieting phase. Yeah, potentially as well. And also like how much body fat you're comfortable with gaining. Mm. So... Like even, for example, 1% is a rate or 1 to 1 1.5. I'm kind of in that bracket at the moment. but And I would say that's a bracket that's suitable for most people. Mm -hmm. I would say going to like half a percent per month, that's quite hard to track. And it's probably not quite as optimal as mm -hmm. 1 to 1 1.5%. Especially with females, because I work with a lot of female clients, mm -hmm. obviously. And you have to take into account menstruation. And it's not abnormal for a female around time of ovulation or around the time that she's actually menstruating for scale weight to fluctuate one to two kilograms, right? So you mm. obviously have to take those sort of trends into account too. But I agree, let's say that you had a 70 kilogram client and you were only aiming for half a percent of body weight increase per month. So every single four to five weeks, you were only seeing that scale weight go up on average by 350 grams. Mm. Like, yeah, it's possible. But given that just natural fluctuations in scale weight day to day, it's not abnormal as well for someone's scale weight to fluctuate by maybe 350 grams on a daily basis, considering, you know, their training, their food bulk, their fluid for females that time of the month. So I'd say the lower percentage you're going down toward, you're like, man, 350 grams gained in the last month. Like, is this actual tissue or like, is this just something else <laughs> mm. yeah and i think the other thing to consider is it's always much easier to lose body fat than mm -hmm. it is to gain muscle so take that for what you will and i think some people might even hear that saying no way like i gain muscle so easily and i find it so hard to lose fat but mm -hmm. for the majority of people if you follow the correct structure and mm -hmm. plan the reality is it's easier mm -hmm. to lose fat than it is to gain muscle yeah at a much faster rate so yeah. we're talking about gaining uh, as a percentage of your body weight per month in a building phase, 0.5 to 1.5%, potentially upwards of 2% for in some circumstances. But when you are losing weight, 
0.5 to 1% in most circumstances per week. Mm. Or if you're in a more aggressive dieting phase, 1 to 1.5% of your body weight per week. Mm. Hey guys, just a reminder that we don't just coach physique athletes, but we do coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Therefore, if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com or alternatively, click the link in the show notes below. For example, like to put it into perspective, if you've been gaining at 1% of your body weight per month for six months, that's Mm -hmm. 6%. But you can do that in six weeks if you want to do a fairly aggressive diet. Mm -hmm. So like that's literally around one-fifth of the time Mm -hmm. and it kind of comes back to that terminology as well in terms of like are you losing body weight or are you losing body fat like how you said people say oh it's so easy for me to build muscle but it's really hard for me to lose body fat it's probably quite simple for your body to do both of those things under the right conditions but mentally Mm. it's a lot more enjoyable and comfortable to be in a slight calorie surplus well energized feeling hella strong in the gym loving your life right it's nicer being in a slight surplus or at least at maintenance it's just uncomfortable Mm. for most people in most circumstances being in a calorie deficit and that's what makes losing body weight more difficult but the body is fully capable Mm. yeah but the the last note that i just want to make as well is just really reframing your outlook and seeing weight gain in a positive light. And this is a conversation that I find myself having quite frequently with a lot of my clients, at least in the early stages of their coaching, when we are going through a building phase and a very common response I get when, you know, they see their scale weight going up on average every single month is, oh, I just, I'm scared that I'm gonna get too fat. Like, I'm just scared that I'm I'm getting too big. But you have to remember that like, Everything that you're doing, if you are following your coach's prescriptions properly, you are giving yourself every single stimulus to not put on body fat, Mm. to build muscle mass. You're eating a nutritious diet with a high protein intake. You're sleeping well at night. You're following a structured resistance training program. All of your life circumstances are in check. Like you are in a very, very anabolic environment, which supports muscle growth. So you're not in that sort of environment that is highly encouraging fat gain. So you just have to remember that as well. <laughs> mm. Yeah, you've got to sometimes trust the process and that potentially that initial weight spike will be those initial few weeks where you're trying something new. But then usually after those six weeks, they to be fair, it's a fairly generic number, but it is that kind of that six week period where people tout that after six weeks, you then start to notice some physical changes. Mm. And from working with people, I would, I would say in a surplus, probably that four to six week, no more like six to eight week mark where you start to notice some new tissue in like more muscle tissue that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it, it certainly, it takes time. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So this next question says, should you track black coffee? I scanned a Nescafe blend and it read six calories per two grams. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> we're really focusing on the uh, little rocks here, aren't we? <laughs> mm, they are small pebbles or a grain of sand amongst the beach. Yeah. To be fair though, I do have a few clients who do track their coffee, mm. right? And because 
all my clients, like I look through their MyFitnessPals with them to just make sure their diets are in check and everything. And if anything, sometimes I'm almost impressed when people track their coffee because mm. they're just showing that they are at that level where they're taking account of every single thing that yeah. they put into their body. Well, I think it's more so just, I can resonate with this because for people who track their coffee, they just want to have everything that they eat in the MyFitnessPal, mm. like just for, because that's what it's there for. Yeah. Because then your coach doesn't ha- have to ask like, oh, so are you having any coffee pre-workout? Mm. It's just there. Yeah. So the answer for the vast majority of people is no, you don't need to track your black mm-hmm. coffee. And even in prep, like I, I wouldn't ask someone to track their black coffee. But Jack, it has six <laughs> calories per two grams. Does <laughs> every, every cow counts, doesn't it? <laughs> 10 coffees a day, that's 60 calories. Oh boy, but <laughs> this is where I think about, it. okay, yes, a black coffee may have six calories in it. And when we think about where those calories actually come from, it's probably coming from what? Carb- yeah. Well, a little bit of carbohydrates mm. and a little bit of protein, like, you know, beans are usually carbohydrate and protein rich, unless it's that soy variety. God damn that thing. So high in fat. But <laughs> uh, So you're probably getting trace amounts of carbohydrates and protein in there. Mm. But at the same time, one cup of coffee, six calories, would you argue that the process of like going into the kitchen, boiling the kettle, you know, scooping out your instant coffee and then, you know, pouring the, pouring the cup, right? Waiting for it to cool down, sipping it. That entire process coincided with your heart rate and your blood pressure being slightly elevated. And then you going and training a little bit Maybe. harder because you're stimulated. Would you burn more than six calories? Maybe the bathroom break after having the black coffee. That's true. Dude, you definitely dropped some <laughs> weight there. <laughs> But I'm serious, like these six calories, it, it kind of comes back to that argument, like are there negative calorie foods? Like mm. you burn more calories from consuming a type of food or beverage. It's wishful thinking, but... Yeah, I think coffee would get pretty close to a negative food. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm even doubtful that coffee has six calories. I don't think it has six calories. Like, I don't know what the... Because it says Nescafe blend. Maybe mm. there's some like sweetener in there or something or sugar alcohol that has partial calories. Mm. But. I think it's it really just would be those trace carbs and protein from the coffee bean because mm. we know with our instant coffee, right? Like it's not they don't have nutritional information on it. No, they don't because it's six calories per teaspoon. Yeah, right. Like it's basically negligent. Mm. And I'm pretty sure for some nutrition companies, like if calories are so low and insignificant, they don't have to list them. I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I think coffee is one of the because coffee would obviously have to be under fizans. Mm. Yeah, but guys, I'd say focus on the big rocks. Enjoy your coffee. Probably don't consume too much caffeine after midday if you want a good night's sleep. But yeah, just enjoy it. But also don't go drinking 10 coffees a day. Or You you do hear these things about how caffeinated beverages or things like tea and coffee can increase your metabolic rate. I don't know if it's to any significant degree. I think they did like one study on these Japanese people who drank a bunch of green tea in Japan and like they burnt an extra 100 calories per day, but they were drinking like a buttload of green tea. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to drink too much green tea either. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I take that back. It's more the green tea extract, which yeah. can't, we've never actually discussed that. We might need to bring a doctor on to discuss that. A hepatologist? Yes. <laughs> but I think there as well, it might mm. raise a red flag if anything is times 50. Like, yeah. why do you need anything times 50? Mm. Have it times one, maybe two. Yeah, same with vitamin C as well. <laughs> yep. 
So a few other good questions that we could dive into. So let's do this one. Do you think you'll ever reach your genetic potential? I don't think I will. Yeah, it's a tricky question because I guess we have to define what genetic potential is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's tough. Like, I don't think I will either because... Like, even if you're 0.0001% off, like, you haven't reached your genetic yeah. potential. And mm-hmm. any sort of lifestyle factor that delves away from training and nutrition will stop you from mm-hmm. reaching your genetic potential. Like, having kids or, I don't know, that's the one example that yeah. comes to mind. But I don't think that if your physiology and your diet and your training will stop you reaching your genetic potential before you reach that age of, like, probably mid-50s to 60s, where, again you will just naturally experience sacropenia, which is the natural degeneration of muscle mass. You always pronounce it. I I don't like correcting you, but... Sacropenia? It's S-A-R-C-O. It's just the Canadian accent. yeah, that's right. The Australian, do you guys pronounce it sacro? No, sacro, not sacro. Sacre. (laughs) It's like you're saying like Hermione in Harry Potter. Can you pronounce it? Uh, Sacropenia. Sacro. I thought it was sacro. No, I don't know where you got sac. Maybe you got that from like saccharin or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay, well, sacropenia. If you're Very an good. Aussie, if you're from North America, sacropenia. Either way, it's the natural loss of muscle mass in the body, which is normal and it happens with old age. Similar to the natural degeneration of bone mineral density, which is osteopenia. Mm. But you can help to prevent these things by one doing a lot of resistance but, so training. you don't think you could reach your genetic potential before getting sarcopenia again i think that it would be more lifestyle mm. uh based and it would be more of a choice and things that come up in your life but there's doesn't certain... mean we're not going to try and reach it yeah obviously. you get you get very very close but i'm personally just under the impression that you don't reach that point until you quit yeah i agree i think there's always marginal gains to be made mm. And like, we don't have a objective measure of genetic potential either. Yeah. But at the same time, you and I both know quite a few committed natural bodybuilders out there who are going to continue to be competitive for many decades to come. And the thing is, is like reaching your genetic potential. Like we said, I don't think that happens until you decide to just stop pursuing bodybuilding or before your body just won't let you actually physically put on any more lean tissue but there's no denying that people do get very very close to that point so for example after they've been lifting for two decades they are not experiencing as rapid of gains as they were in their very first few years of lifting which everyone quotes newbie gains right Mm, yeah there's nothing quite like newbie gains no there certainly aren't (laughs) and i think obviously as you get more experienced and you gain more muscle that's when your rate of muscle gain will slow down and i think often people associate training for longer with less muscle gain but i would associate total muscle gained over time with less muscle gain just because you've been training a long time doesn't mean that you can't experience newbie gains again Mm -hmm. and i think that's a big misconception is if you've been training for 10 years and you've had very suboptimal training, suboptimal sleep, suboptimal nutrition, and you kind of optimize all those factors, particularly the training, you learn to train with intensity and accuracy, you can definitely experience mm-hmm. newbie gains again. Yeah, you haven't missed the boat. It's mm. still sitting there at the dock. Like you really yeah. just have to <laughs> get on board sort of thing. But 
we've seen as well, like, for example, we could name people like Damo or Brandon, these top pro natural bodybuilders here in Australia, and they've got phenomenal physiques, but there's no denying that they still have more to give. They Mm. know they have more to give, but that's why you see these guys who are already so remarkably muscular, but they really hone in on those one percenters. And they've probably been doing it for a long time, but they really see the value in nailing the one percenters now because they know it's those one percenters that are at least going to make them one percent better Mm. and any bit better at that stage, right? That's improvement. Hey guys, just a reminder that we post regular content on our Instagram and YouTube channel. You can find those platforms by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians. See you there. Like, what would you say are some of those one percenters that top professionals are really trying to hone in on to try to be better that, you know, perhaps they could have let slide a little bit in the earlier years? Mm. Well, I think we can break this down to like training, nutrition and lifestyle. So training would definitely be intensity mm-hmm. and accuracy and probably just ensuring that your program design is optimal for recovery and addressing your weak points that would be training in my opinion nutrition would probably be your rate of gain to an extent the quality of your nutrition being honest though that might not influence mm-hmm. i mean staying healthy is really important because you, as soon as you get ill you, that's time outside of making progress mm and probably your protein distribution versus your protein intake a lot of people just focus on their total intake and not their distribution yeah i think that's a huge one right Mm. like for example someone in their early years of lifting yeah they can probably get by with just focusing on total daily protein intake having a few meals here or there yeah as long as you tick that one big box but the older you get like you really have to focus in on okay i need to stimulate muscle protein synthesis at least every four to six hours want to be stimulated at least four times per day eating enough high biological value in every single Mm. meal sort of thing if you're a vegan you know making sure you're getting enough leucine at every single meal those minute little details even brandon made a post the other day about creatine timing and he made Mm. the point that like creatine is one of those nutrients that it doesn't act acutely it acts over a chronic time frame because obviously you just need to saturate your muscle creatine stores but perhaps one of those extra one percenters potentially could be consuming creatine post-workout combined with a carbohydrate source, which we'd be encouraging you guys to consume carbs post-workout anyway, but that might slightly, slightly increase creatine's ability to improve performance or perhaps saturate in muscle. Mm. Yeah, so that would probably be nutrition, maybe investing some of those really 0.1% supplements. Mm -hmm. Like obviously creatine is probably more than that. But things potentially like citrulline malate, beetroot juice extract, Mm -hmm. and maybe beta alanine, Mm -hmm. those sorts of ones. Then lifestyle related, just really prioritizing recovery, prioritizing sleep, prioritizing a low stress environment. And this is the thing, this is where lifestyle coincides with other lifestyle factors that are in place. Like, do you have work? Do you have kids? Do you have other commitments? And that's where... Uh, yeah, I, it seems a bit redundant talking about this because not everyone can implement all these factors. And then as soon as you do, like what kind of life are you living? Mm-hmm. Are you just kind of some robot bodybuilder <laughs> who's walking to and or driving to and from the gym every day and not doing anything else? Like, I guess, but at the same time, if a professional natural bodybuilder doesn't want to reach his genetic limit before physiology is ultimately going to take over, 
then you will reach a point ultimately where you really need to focus on these one percenters. But mm. I don't think achieving the one percenters though is is that difficult mm. for most people. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's provided that you are ticking every single other big, big box in yeah. terms of you've got decades under your belt of progressively overloading in the gym and following a training program and actually going through cycles of actually changing your body weight in order to change your body composition. You're looking after your sleep. You're looking after your stress management. Like nutrition is to a T, a very nutritious, high protein diet sort of thing. So once you've ticked all those big boxes and you're like, okay, what else is there left to do to take me to that next level even if it's only a marginal step up i'm willing to do it if i can be better but i think it is ultimately just when people decide to stop or they have had enough or they choose to not pursue it to that next level yet but mm. i think that i i'd like to say that you and i hopefully will be doing this till we're in our 60s and hopefully we can why not longer <laughs> hell man 70s <laughs> will you be natural then though I will always be natural. <laughs> I don't know about you though. In the seventies, will you be on HRT? In the twenty seventies, literally. Two thousand seventy. I will be in the seventy in two thousand and seventy. Yeah, you'll be what, like seventy three? Yeah, around that. <laughs> Pretty old, man. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a question for another time to answer. <laughs> Give me twenty years, and I'll answer that again. Either way, we're growing. <laughs> yeah. So I think we'll wrap up here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. But before we conclude. What is something that you learned this week? Oh man. All right. Well, this week I learned that sometimes when people listen to our podcasts, they don't listen to it on just the standard normal speed of how a normal person would talk. They actually turn it up to like two times speed, <laughs> which just blew my mind because then I went on to the iTunes app and I went on to two times speed and I listened to myself and I seriously it's more engaging isn't it <laughs> i just seriously cringed and someone who knows you're probably listening to me talk about this right now while i sound like a little mouse squeaking my head off you don't at like two, two times time speed, speed. Mm. i listen to most things in in 1.5 to 2 oh i i used to listen to some uni lectures who were like really slow mm. when they were talking and i would put it on like 1.2 so they at least sounded like a normal person but i don't think i ever went above that like if someone's talking so fast that they're starting to squeak that's just you got to train that brain into thinking fast <laughs> please guys like i i feel like i talk fast enough as it is like imagine this times two mm. or yeah so that's what i learned Some... don't have to imagine and <laughs> yeah but i i think that i i know now that i just sound very strange and so do you when we're just talking our heads off really really fast it's not very nice <laughs> uh, but Jack, what did you learn this week? So I learned that there's a better use for ZMA capsules. Mm. So what you do is you get the ZMA tub mm -hmm. and you pour out the contents and then you pour in some intra-workout powder. Yes. Yeah. So that's a more efficient means of the ZMA packet. So I, we, I had some ZMAs lying around that I think we'd bought maybe four years ago. Yeah. Or I think we got them for free. Maybe. Yeah. And yeah, they were expired anyway, but mm -hmm. I've uh, been making more of an effort to have intra workout more consistently, mm -hmm. which maybe I'll, maybe we'll do a post on intra workout soon or peri workout nutrition, but I've been enjoying it a lot. Something I did notice was I, on my leg day yesterday, I had some 
very concentrated Powerade. I had about 38 grams of the Powerade powder, mm. which I think is probably close to 30, 30 to 35 grams of carbs, mm. maybe purely through sugar, of course. And I had that in probably half a cup or three quarters of a cup of water. And I noticed because the, I'm assuming like osmolarity is the right word because mm. the osmolarity was so high, it kind of upset my digestion a little bit. Do you experience dumping syndrome? I didn't. Okay. Don't Google that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad you didn't experience dumping syndrome on leg day. <laughs> no, but yeah, lesson learned. I'll dilute it a bit more in future. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's also shown like how low my food focus is that I even when I concentrate my intra workout. Yeah, just get it down, right? But mm. absolutely, that little flip cap, right? What yeah. I've what I've also found some like some awesome tubs for having things in the gym is my chalk powder like i used to just have that in a ziploc bag but it's an absolute mess you know chalk or chalk 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 <laughs> that's better <laughs> my chalk uh my chalk chalk um powder but you know if you have it in a ziploc and like if there's a hole in the bag or mm. it doesn't close like your whole bag there's just powder everywhere man it's a mess what i started doing is you can either get macro mike or we have marmaduke's pb powder and what i love about it is that it says pb powder like mm personal best powder but you just put your chalk in those little tubs of powder. do a little tutorial how to undo it yeah screw the lid you but put the chalk in and then you screw the lid it's perfect <laughs> though the screw cap and you know it's the perfect size so guys if you ever have chalk which i recommend especially in, in the heat and you're lifting like for rdls and stuff there's nothing worse than mm. your hands slipping on a bar or some dumbbells but put your chalk in like a little macro mic or a little marmaduke's spin cap tub and man, it's so good. PB mm. powder, baby. Very good. Yeah. yeah. It's gotten ma- so humid in the gym that I've started sweating through my straps. Dude, my kneecaps are sweating. Mm. It's gnarly. Like I'm doing like seated calf raises and like my knees slip off. Interesting. <laughs> they don't slip off me, but they slip off the machine. Mm. Anyway, guys. Well, if you're still listening, congratulations. You made it to the end. <laughs> and I hope this isn't on two times speed. <laughs> mm. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed it, please remember to repost it onto your story. Tag myself, tag Tierra, tag TBD. If you're feeling generous, you can leave a rating or a review on iTunes. If you're on the iTunes app, just head over to our podcast, scroll down to the bottom, hit that five-star button and uh, send us a screenshot of that if you do. And we'll, um, I don't know, give you a chocolate biscuit or something. Mm -hmm. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye-bye.